So, a very warm welcome to everybody, uh, wherever you are, whether you're at home or at church, a big warm welcome on this special Sunday. Um, we've just been talking about how busy a day it is um, um, to do with golf and tennis and some football match or other that's happening and uh, how brilliant that we've made time to worship the Lord um, and together this morning. Um, basically I've got the, um, the newsletter here. Uh, if you've not had it um, emailed to you then you can find it on the um, on the website. Uh, just to point out there that the church meeting is on this Thursday. Okay, uh, a usual Zoom addresses and everything. Now, um, just to say, uh, usual rules apply. Uh, if uh, please stay on mute. If you've got a role, a, a job to do during the service, if you're on the rotor, then unmute yourself when it, it, it comes to your bit. Now, there's something that we've not done for quite some time as a church. We sort of stopped doing it when COVID and Zoom started, but we wondered if we could do it now. <coughs> So, I'm going to ask you to stand, if you are able, while Elaine brings in the Bible. Thank you, everyone. Right. Over to Ron, who is leading our service today. Good morning. I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to be standing there and delivering the service in the church. So we've had quite a few, we've done quite a few Zoom services, but this is um, quite a pleasure. Nice to be back. Our calls worship today comes from one of the Psalms. And it comes from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, where he found it on seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? He may stand in this holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. He does not trust in an idol or spurs by a false god. They will receive blessings from the Lord. And vindications from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of dogs who seek him. We seek your face. Call of Jacob. Now we want to stand at this point, please, if you're able. Please stand if you're able. 
Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors. That the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Please sit. Lord, we know in our hearts and our minds, in our very being, who you are. We know what you mean to us, and we might have a good idea what you mean to us. And we ask you, Lord, today to bless this meeting of your church here in Birchwood, this building, and in the houses around us. That they will know who the King glorious and to open up the gates. Amen. I'm going to go to um, my family for the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Right, and um, I think it's time for our first song. Now, you guys, I can't sing this building. Those of you who are over undoing, I expect you to sing so loud we can hear you from here. Okay? If you want to stand, you can do. I'm not going to sing, but I will speak the word. And if you want to dance, feel free. But keep still in the same area where you're in social distancing. But we'll have a song sometimes.
lift up the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Who can stop the It's my chance now to ask if we've got any birthdays. Um, I can't see anybody in church. So if there's somebody in church that's got a birthday, somebody's going to have to tell me. Other than that, on screen? No, it doesn't look like it. Ron? Big bass full. <laughs> is there anybody there that is uh, has got a birthday? No, no. Oh, what a relief. <laughs> so in which case, it's time for our first Bible reading, please. The first reading is 2 Samuel 6, verses 1 to 5 and 12 to 19. And this is the ark brought to Jerusalem. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. 
So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. Go to the second reading, please. Our second reading is from Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Praise for the spiritual blessings in Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Amen. Sorry. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen.
Quick slip of gin. Not really. Okay. So you may wonder what I'm doing here instead of Colin Burroughs. I'm not Colin Burroughs. I'm Ron Gamble. Collins are a pretty bad witness with his, um, his son not being well and Colin, Colin's colleagues at work basically being not well as well. So Colin's been doing a lot of work this week. So I stepped in um, a couple of days back. And the first thing I do When I'm preparing a reading uh, service, is to read the lectionary readings for the week. I read them again. Possibly again. I do a bit of praying, maybe a bit more praying, and I wait for an answer. More often than not, something always shows up in the readings for me. And this time, it jumps off the page. Many thanks to 2 Samuel. I saw some football match at Wembley Stadium tonight. It all fitted in. That's why the title for today's service is Coming Home. And what do you think is coming home? That's right, yeah. Okay. No need to say but we know what you mean. It's coming on. 2 Samuel tells the story of the journey of the Ark of God to its new home in the city of David, Jerusalem. I say it's new home. Besides, we were, it didn't live there initially. Where it was, I've got no idea. But the city of David which is on the east bank of Jerusalem, it probably didn't stay there. So it's new home, city of, God, city of David in Jerusalem. It looks like it was a pretty spectacular event, with 30,000 young men, music, dancing and sacrifices. However, interestingly or not, and I find it quite interesting because I like reading that kind of stuff, the Ark's journey to the city was not a short one or problem-free. It probably all started 21 years earlier. 21 years earlier. And it was very much a stop-and-start journey of just 60 miles. Go first slide, please. Slide's going to come up. The journey it's going to take, this full journey, is from that place called Ashdod, by the sea, to Jerusalem, on the other side. 
60 miles. And it's going to take you 21 years to do it. For various reasons. I've got this. Not from 2 Samuel, but from 1 Samuel. Because 1 Samuel talks about the start of the journey of the ark. 21 years before it gets to Jerusalem, it's captured in battle. There's a war between the Philistines and the Hebrews. Something happens quite regularly through their stories. The ark was brought forward because the ark was often go forward in battle and he's asked for the army that fought at a place called Ebenezer. First day of the battle, the Hebrews lost 4,000 men. Second day of the battle, when the ark turned up, he lost 30,000. He was absolutely gobsmacked because things didn't work out. He lost 30,000 men. And the ark was taken and was taken to Ascod. Ascod. And the Philistines. When it gets there, they say, I'll tell you what, we're going to put this ark of the Hebrews in our temple to our God called, um, what's his name? Dagon. They leave him alone. And then the first time we go in, the following day, Dagon's, temp- Dagon's um, image has been knocked over. So they stand it up. And you know what's going on? For the second night, they get there. Second day. They find it's been broken up. His head's been knocked off. His arms and legs have been knocked off. The Philistines are quite worried. So what happens is they're a bit concerned about this, as they'll be. And they're really worried about it. And during a period of time also, things start going wrong in Astod. There happens to be a plague. It's a plague of tumours. It kills people. It happens to be a plague of rats. It is a nice thing. They don't know what's going on. But the notice has happened ever since the ark was brought there. So like any other good countries, countries to say what we're going to do, we're going to send the ark somewhere else. So the ark moves, slowly but surely, about, round about the other city of the Philistines. It goes to a city called Gath, which I can't find the maps. Google Maps, for some reason, can't find that one. So it goes there. And guess what? Things go bad there as well. There's tumours, there's rats, there's people dying, there's people getting very upset by it. Then it goes to a place called Ekron. 
Well, yes, sir, Crom. Going to readings there. Things really do get bad again. They have a really bad plague. You get the picture. The Philistines have moved the sack from fitted city, and everywhere it goes, havoc follows. The Ark of the Covenant is not supposed to be there. So they decide what to do is to try and get rid of it. We're not too sure how to do this. They decide that if it's God's will for the ark to go back, they put it in a cart and send it off with two cows pulling it and nobody else on it. And it goes in the direction of Beth Shemesh, which is that middle one, which is the border between uh, the state of Israel and the Palestinians and the uh, Philistines. It already is there, then that's where God wants it to go. So we start the cart off, and it starts, these cows just start walking off that way. So, right, okay, that's when I go go. And the ark to the ark, and the ark's not very big. The ark itself, how big do you think this ark was? Sorry, how big do you think the ark is? Because I really believe it is around place somewhere, and not in some warehouse in America. And so I don't think it is. The ark is about, about four foot long, 1.3 meters, about as long as this. It's not very long. The ark is about 800 mil by 800 mil. So it's about two foot six, not that big. It's not very big. It's not bigger than the uh, pulpit. It's covering wood. It's got gold on the outside. It's got rings so people can lift it. It's got a big gold on the top with cherry brims on it. It's not a big thing. And he sent that ark back with a big box of gold. As a, we are very sorry, statement to the Hebrews. Big box of gold. In the gold, they had five I don't know why five, or well, five cities, five gold tumors. So you have tumors, which have been killing people, five made of gold and put in this box, and five big rats, gold rats, put in the box. And he said that as a, we are very sorry, off to the Hebrews, off to Besh, off to um, where it's going next to. When it gets there, it gets welcomed. Everyone says, wow, the ark's come back. Wow, the ark's turned up and also this box of gold. The uh, Philistines had it for seven months. Seven months. They said to Beth Shemesh, it goes there. And um, they all think it's great. They think it's brilliant. They really do. It still hasn't got problem free. Because 70, according to the book, 70 of the local blokes thought, I'll tell you what, let's have a peep inside this box. How high can it be? 
And guess what's happened to those people who have a peek inside the box? Yeah, you've all seen the film, right? 70 of them die. So number 71 thinks, I'm going to step away from that box now and put the lid on top, please. And we don't want it here. <laughs> Can we send it somewhere else? And that's when it moves again. It moves to this place called Kiraf Jerem, which is about 10 miles, 10 miles outside of Jerusalem. Now, for us trotters, that's a good day's trot. Right? 10 miles is a good day's walk, but that's all it is. It's 10 miles. Not a massive distance. And he gets there. He doesn't kill anybody. So they all go, we're not going to peek in it. We live there and step away from the ark. That's what he did. And um, it's there for a while. It's actually there for 20 years. It's there for 20 years. It's not been into the city. It's at this capture in place, which is the um, the house of Abinab on the hill. Yeah. 20 years it's there. That's a care of Jeremy. The next slide. And uh, no, next one, please. Yeah, there's a distance. Uh, next one again, please. Very short, 10 miles. Care of Jeremy, Jerusalem. That's where it's going to go. It's there 20 years before he goes in Jerusalem. And that's when the two Samuelian kicks in place. That's when David goes and gets it. And I think it's not coincidental. He goes with 30,000 men. Because 30,000 men died at a battle 20 years earlier. Going to Samuel. He goes there. And the two people who look after it, who's been given guardianship of the ark for, tw- for the last 20 years of family, is the sons, Uzas and Ayo. One goes to the front, one at the back. Now, for those of you who are observant amongst you, when Colin was reading the reading now, you notice that they all go singing and dancing, as you expect. And we go from 6 5, straight over to 6 12, when King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed Edom. He said, hang on a minute. I thought it was the household of Abinab. 
There's reason for this because you know what? The journey wasn't such a trouble-free one like that. That initial journey from Kirchgerim, from Yalson Hill, one of the guardians, one of the guardians of, of, of the ark, stumbled and touched the box. That would have been, if you look at, you've not got this one, in uh, 2 Samuel carries on, the one the bit, the bit in between. Uzas becomes, he reacts out and touch all of the ark. So 6-6, six, six, when they came to the fresh and full of Nacon, Uzas reached out and touched the old of the ark before the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzas, became a reverent act, therefore God struck him down, he died before the ark of God. So one of the sons of the family that's been looking after this box for 20 years, dies on the day when they make that 30,000, that trip back. And David, David's quite angry about this. Not as angry as the lad he died. But he's also a bit afraid. So he says, hmm, maybe not a good idea to bring it to Jerusalem just yet. Let's send it somewhere else. <laughs> so it goes somewhere else. And it goes to the house of Obed Edom. The Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. And that's where we come back to the story again. David says, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So let's go and bring it over to, to Jerusalem. And it's an open Edom for three months. Why am I saying these things? That journey from the ark was long and torturous. It took a long time to get back. It was a long time coming. Many stops and starts and difficult at times. Not quite... 55 years, as in the case for the England team playing a major championship final, but long enough. I was actually surprised to read the ark had been kept just 10 miles or so from the people for 20 years. And that it didn't seem to feature that much in their lives. Bear in mind what it was. Saul himself, the king before David, Saul himself apparently rarely visited it and prayed with it, prayed there. The Hebrews didn't believe God was actually in the box. They knew God was too big for a box. But he knew he's nearby. It was considered a footstool for him. David brought it home to people. They spent much time in their tent, that tent he erected around it during his reign. Many times David would be there on his own, next to the ark, 
asking God's questions. Bringing the ark to people, no doubt helped them find him for themselves in their hearts and minds. Here at Thomas Risley, the wait is nearly over. Someday soon, we will once again be able to sing and socialise in the church building. Even dance if you want to, but socially distanced. Right. It might not be the same as before. It probably won't be. As the church will need to regroup. We need to rethink, and we are regrouping, and we are rethinking, we are looking at what we're going to do next here in Birchwood. We need to pray a lot. We need to listen a lot. And we need to do the works he wants us to do here in our community. To be that beacon. As Paul said in his letter to the Ephesians, God has a plan. We think Gareth Southgate is a decent manager. God knows exactly what he's doing. And we, as his predestined people, are part of it. Now, Paul mentions the word predestined twice in that reading to Ephesians. That they are predestined. He's talking about the original group that's predestined, those who met Jesus, those who were in, who were in Jerusalem at the time, those who followed him. And he's talking to the other group that's predestined, those in Ephesus. 20 years after the event. They too are predestined, they never met him. They too are predestined. He mentioned that word twice. We are predestined because we are saved. We are predestined to quote John, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Nobody has actually heard those words when Ephesians is written. Because John hasn't written them yet. The letter to Ephesus is probably about AD 50, AD 60. John's gospel comes out about 20 years later. But we are predestined. We know we're saved. And it's our job as predestined. To tell our friends, our neighbours, and help them find in him for themselves. Him. God. In any way we can. And the match tonight? Well, there's two great managers 
and two exec teams. It's destined to be a good one. And I'm asking now, as you end this, my talk, hands up, who thinks it's coming on? There's a fair chunk. <laughs> right, so um, now cover next song, please.
I can't remember. Sing that song like crying. Sing for me. Um, we have our press, please. And I'm getting smaller day by day. Um, before I start the prayers, the first prayer um, that I'll be bringing is for the United Reformed Church General Assembly. So uh, they started meeting on Friday morning. Uh, it's the main decision-making body of the URC. Uh, and they discuss all manner of things. I have tuned into many of the debates around justice, um, a, a lot of things around how we treat people. Uh, so, and it goes on until tomorrow. And currently, Reverend Claire Downing is preaching for the Sunday morning service. And so I bring prayers for them and ask you, to continue those prayers. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And so, Lord, with your presence amongst us today, I bring our prayers for your world. We pray for your church in all its many forms, bringing before you the United Reformed Church General Assembly meeting this weekend, the business conducted and the service that is broadcast this morning. We lift to you the Reverend Claire Downing as she preaches at this morning's service. We pray for the decision makers and for those taking part in the various committees of the URC. May the Holy Spirit guide them in all they do. We lift to you, Lord, the churches in Birchwood, especially our church here, Thomas Risley. We lift to you the elders here and the leadership teams in the other churches, the various congregations, the organizations meeting on our premises in person or virtually. And we especially lift to you those meeting here at Thomas Risley. And this week, it's the guides and brownies have started meeting and the rainbows start in this coming week, I think Rachel said. And there are, of course, the other ones that, that meet virtually. We pray for those in our churches, those who are leaders and inspirers, those who are discerners and listeners, those of us who are learners and workers. We ask you, Lord, to strengthen our witness. We pray for our government and local councils, our MP and local councillors. We pray, Lord, that they work for good, for justice, for equality in all the decisions they make. And Lord, we pray for those who are strangers, 
those who've been part of this church for many years, and those who are new. Lord, bring us together to serve one another. Enable us to shine the light. Lord, we lift to you social workers. Now, Lord, I don't know why in this particular service you are bringing them to mind, but they are coming to mind loud and clear. And I don't know, Lord, why you want me to lift them up for prayer. But then I don't need to know, for you know their need of prayer. And so we lift them to you. We pray for the homeless, for the bereaved, for all who are suffering loss of various kinds. We lift to you those whose family relationships have broken down, those who live in fear, those who live with situations of conflict day by day. May they know your love through us and through the actions we take. And we pray, Lord, for all who are suffering and sick and lift to you those mentioned on the Thomas Risley prayer list. And now, in a moment of quietness, we bring before we know are in need of healing or wisdom, perhaps strength. Lord, we pray your healing hand on them and your wisdom and strength around them. We bring our prayers in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Saviour. Amen. Right. Uh, now we're having the uh, last song. I think you like this one. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Creations revealing your majesty From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky
told every lightning bolt where it should go. Or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow. Who imagined the sun and gave source to its light? Yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night. None can fathom indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing, God. Indescribable. you Ron. Um, so now I'd um, encourage those that are on um, uh, on Zoom to unmute yourself and, and perhaps go into uh, gallery view uh, so we can see each other. Um, but and those in the um, in the church building, perhaps you'd like to uh, stand and look at your uh, fellow churchgoers, and let's say the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.